0: What is your freedom worth to you? Each of our guests had a lightbulb moment. They longed to live rather than merely exist. They smashed through their fears and programmed minds, trusting themselves, their faith and their survival instincts. Leaving the guilt, fear, oppression and drudgery of their past for a brighter future. They took a brave and courageous step into freedom. This is their story of how they got a life. Welcome to Get A Life Podcast, ExCult cult Conversations. You matter and so does your story.
1: Welcome back to Get A Life Podcast. We are here today with a special guest, Jono. Um, He's coming to us all the way from Australia. And um, we have got a crazy story for you today. Jono, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks very much. I really um, appreciate all your time you guys put into it. I really enjoyed that. Um, I've actually been quite kinked on watching the videos. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah i love them <laughs> we spoke um, yeah, so briefly um,
2: was... huh sorry no go ahead i was gonna say um yeah so i was um one of seven children born in Ballarat. um i was number six of seven um i've actually got the photo here of that family oh, oh big family yeah yeah um and I realized um well I didn't know, but at five years old, um I was when I went and started primary school like the school um I was kinked on um the Carlton like it's Australian AFL football club and I remember I'm um, just being mesmerised by these um men running around with white shorts. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and
2: um and then and I I didn't know what it was or whatever. Anyway, she um because they won the premiership for two years. And my, primary, my teacher kept the recording because she knew we didn't have a TV. And then um, when I got to, um, I think it was when I was nine, um, I told my dad that I want to work on an aircraft as like a flight attendant. And then I think that's when he realised that um, I was gay. So um, they um, told me to the kitchen bar stool with mum's pantyhose so it didn't mark my skin. Um and and yeah try that conversion therapy stuff <laughs> so they tied yeah, you to yeah, a um, chair and and tried
1: christian conversion therapy on you yeah
3: where would they get an idea like that
2: i don't know like i, I think um the, i think the reason why they used mum's um panties or stockings was so it didn't mark my skin so that there was no evidence of it hurting me yeah and um but then as and then as i went got through was Growing into my early teens, um, I used to often help mum in the kitchen, and I used to love uh, doing gardening. So, I'm um, because my actual full name is Jonathan, and then I, my nickname in the church was Jonty, but then my family started calling me Jonsy because I was um, helping in the garden, like they thought it was sissy, like as being like it was girly. Um, and then um, sometimes I was made to sit separate meal times and stuff, and like because I was different, <laughs> they they made you
1: they made you eat separately from them just because you were different from the whole family.
2: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I was um they obviously they, they realised I was gay. I I and then um so I literally just tried to I, then I basically faked it and then come to um when I was sixteen um I am um, because my dad and mum were were quite wealthy with had a good big family business, and um. But we had a double story house and I was I was upstairs and I was gonna jump out head first and um commit suicide because I, I just I couldn't work out why God would make me a dud. I couldn't I just couldn't work it out. Like I there's no there's no way um if you're okay with me talk about it, there's no two ways about it. I was like at five years old, I didn't as if I'd choose to be gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and I was gonna jump out um, head first. Yeah. And I thought if I'd go ahead first, I would break my neck. But then I I went to jump and I thought, oh, I'll just give it one more day. <laughs> and I'm I'm still here today. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wow, Jonathan. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, I'm yeah, so glad you, you just said, I'll give it one more day. You know?
3: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Was it something that then you I'm... never talked to them about? Like, is it something, was it a conversation they were open to having with you?
2: yeah they were um and like because um I, you know i had that big family um yeah. i had lot like, lots of nephews and nieces um and i was never allowed to be on my own with any of the boys my dad would never let me in case i um contaminated them oh <laughs> and um my and God. also for um interchange like we interchange in ballarat we interchange with stall and was on wednesday, wednesday or thursday nights um and some of them sat and there was always a, a bus but i always had to sit next to my dad so that i didn't Touch any other boys yep let me sit next to him <clears throat> wow but, um it was
3: pretty
1: um pretty intense i <laughs> think yeah yeah that and is anyway, um, um, i, I um, don't even know what to say to that like the the yeah. the bullying that you went through holy cow oh, it was insane
2: absolutely insane
3: how did that carry into school because you would have been in the public school system back then right
2: yeah so i'm um, I was taking out, um, at the start of year 11, so like my second last year, it started the brethren schooling in, um, year 11, yeah, but it was just done by correspondence.
3: Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yep.
2: Did the so rest um, of the like kids... My last two...
3: Sorry. Did the rest of the kids at school treat you differently?
2: Nah, not, not, no, no. No, because it was probably... No, that was fine. I, I, I literally, um, faked it. <laughs> faked it till I make it, basically. I had to... Wow there's no option you know I'm still here today <laughs> wow. wow did you ever meet any
1: other young people in the church that you felt maybe were the
2: same as you that were gay yeah, definitely there's I'm um, a couple others in Ballarat and I'm um, de- yeah definitely yeah and I'm um, I actually um once had an encounter with one of them and um I um he went so then we ended up moving um when we got married, um, because my son had autism, we ended up moving to Hamilton, Victoria um, school. We we're gonna because we, we pulled both our kids out of the school because my son was bullying with his autism autism. We um excuse me. We um we enrolled him in another Christian school. And um we, then we um when Bruce Hales heard of it, because the, the, the school said that they can't afford to pay for a teacher's aid for my son. And then when, um, we got the message to Bruce Hales, he said, um, he was actually like, he, he stuck up for us actually, and really said, um, we've got enough money to support seven teacher's aides for you. Like there's plenty of money in, in the system. Um, so then they suggested that we move to Hamilton because my brother Daniel down there, um, had a son with spina bifida. He was in a wheelchair. Um, and so, yeah, we moved down there and, um, when I was down there, um, this guy that I actually had this bit of an encounter with him, Ballarat, um, confessed. So I am um, got, I was about five years. So my Kerry, my ex-wife, she knew about five years before we left the brethren that um, what I was battling with. But she um, thought I'd, I was overcoming it and keeping on going. So and then um, and so and i did I literally just started, literally, and then I turned to alcohol. Um, and that's when I'm um, you'll see the photo share of it. Comment sorry, I have to be when I was so fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
3: so backpedals so, a little bit. Um, so you,
2: yeah.
3: you get through high school. Um, and you decide you want to get married. How did that all pan out for you?
2: Well, um, I, yeah, well, um, there's no option like my that There's no, I literally, um, and I, I like I had um, I did like I, I still love my ex-wife she doesn't she they've gone back now my son and her but yeah the, um honestly yeah, i had to literally click it yeah was and it we,
3: like, like we an had, arranged um, marriage we
2: had two... no it wasn't um i asked her out and um she she actually was um clever she said um because i thought um it was all i rang her dad and i thought it was all sorted it was going to happen and then she when i rang her directly she said um just give me some time to think about this. I'm not sure that you are the right one. Like, but she told me afterwards she was just doing that to coax me on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we had two kids, um, a, a daughter and a son. And then yeah, and our first, uh, f- few years of like in married life in Ballarat was we really sort of a heap of entertaining. We um yeah, we well, were very happy. Yeah.
3: Good. Good. Wow. Yeah.
2: um
1: that must have been very that must have been very hard um them you said
2: that they've gone back um i can't imagine how hard that is and um, i've seen some the police have called around and done a restraining order against me now for my son so like never to to do with him again (laughs) it's pretty immense and because um he had high functioning autism and i like he had intense bullying at the school. I, like I, I, looked after him, you know, day in day out, and um, it's really, really hard to, but <clears throat> gotta push through. Yeah.
3: Wow. What was the reason that they would have taken out a restraining order? What did they expect from you?
2: I don't. I think they just didn't want me to um, have to do like, cause he sent me a text message and said um he doesn't want to have anything more to do with me again, and I, I think it's just um reiterating to make sure I don't right that's, that's what it is. it's it's and it's it's just, it's just the ambivalent um, controlling i can tell
3: right it's, right
2: it's the
1: hatred that this cult somehow has towards other human beings right because of yeah. one one orientation sexually or or anything right or how you're born and and they just hate it for some reason they just hate it and it's so unnatural to hate and, and to hate, especially the ones that you know that you love, right? Like their heart, in their heart, they, they obviously love you, right? But they're brainwashed to think that they need to, to cut that off somehow. And my only hope is that once people have seen the other side, even 10, 15 years later, you can realize that maybe this place isn't making me as happy as I thought it was going to, right? so you yeah, still
2: um, hope that's, what, I, that's I, what i'm saying yeah i still um like because um, my son had an like, xbox and like he wouldn't be able to have all that in there <laughs> yeah yeah so i like yeah i um, and the thing is um he was extensively bullied insane at the School schooling i think i told you lane that they um had him had him lined up with rulers measuring his penis and and the teachers couldn't do anything about it um because the the main the main um bully his dad was that one of the trustees and one of the teachers um brought it up in a meeting and that that this trustee said don't you ever say anything against my son again otherwise we'll sack you (laughs) so then the only way um like my son the only way for him to um even change his new sport clothes was to go into um the disabled toilet because they one time they tried flushing his clothes in the toilet even like he, it was insane. <laughs> I went to the police about it, um, and they, um, they, I said, I don't know how I wanted, you know, what do I would do about this stuff, and they said, um, like it was an offense, like it would easy, but they said they didn't, they didn't think I was the pressure that would come from the church, like it would be a massive inquiry into the school funding and all that stuff. They didn't think that I, or they, I put it back on me whether I should pursue it or not. So I, I, did, I just left it. Wow. They basically
1: said it would be too big of a deal like oh then we'd have to investigate the church we wouldn't want to do
2: that yeah yeah and I and and I knew the pressure that would be put on back on me
3: Wow
2: yeah so wow it's pretty intense, that so, is um, intense. and that's why I'm, yeah, it's really i um, really hopeful that he doesn't want to have anything more to do with me, but anyway, yeah, I'll just I think as you say, land is always hope yeah, yeah.
3: What do you, what do you, what do you see the future um, of the whole bullying in the school? Like now that you're out of it, um, do you think there's a way to go back and make them pay for, for how they treated him?
2: Like, no, can you actually, make a report
3: after the effect?
2: I could do, yeah. But um, yeah. whether I'm, um, I don't understand how, how it would go down with this new restraining order that with him and then going back in but they probably wouldn't really appreciate it if if that makes
3: sense yeah 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 wow
1: so someone has brainwashed them into filing a restraining order against their father you know it's just like Mm -hmm. this is the level that this mainstream christian church is at right just this normal church that has rapid relief team charity um It's just normal, right? This is, they file restraining orders because their father comes out, right? Like, oh, the sickness that is involved in their minds. I'm just so sorry you had to go through all this, Jono, but I'm also like, my heart is warmed by the fact of how happy you seem now and how, how you want to advance your life and how you're, you're living open now. And, and, you know, seemed very happy, very positive person. i yeah, very blown away by that. I'm, it's, it's amazing.
2: And to um get a job with Qantas, it was just, I've actually, I'm um, just resigned off because Air New Zealand have offered me a job now. Wow. So be Good for, for you. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. One of the um passengers I was flying with, um, was a hostess for um in New Zealand, and she saw um well, I don't want to but she saw that I have potential. So she said, "Um, can I put a word in for you to can you come over to Air New Zealand?" So yeah, I'm doing that starting next week. Good for you, good for you. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's just great. It's good fun. I love, yeah. I love airplanes. <laughs> so this is
1: so this is and really I- a childhood dream coming true, isn't it?
2: Oh, extremely! And this is what I'm like at nine years old. I wanted to be. I've got a photo. Um, I don't have it on me now, but I've got a photo of me. Um, blowing. Um, you know those recorder whistle things. Um, I was. I did that to, and I was practicing doing the. Um, you know the announcements for the. Um, you know the safety demonstration oh, with blowing a whistle yeah. <laughs> into the, for the life jacket. <laughs> when I was nine, I love it. I love wow. it. Wow. <laughs>
1: I always have a so, special place in my heart for for childhood dreams that come true. You know, that's yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's really awesome.
2: Wow, that's yeah, really good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, what well, well, what else did I have to talk about? Um. So oh, yeah, I, um, have, my, um, I have some notes here. So my daughter, my daughter left in at the end of two thousand November two thousand nineteen. Um, and it was on a Wednesday. Um, and. I can still remember um I've got a tattoo on the back of my leg of um the, a time and the clock when um Carrie rang me to say Jalinda's, it was seventeen minutes past eight, I can remember on the twentieth of November, Kerry rang me to say Jalinda's left home. And she left a really lovely letter on the fridge and all trace of her was gone, like her passport, everything. She disappeared. So um like I you know, it's just like you know, as you know, it's like a death. So yeah. um I I I was, at my, I was at my workplace working for my, bro- my brother, and I rang the leading head guy in Hamilton, and he said um, to go to the police station. So I went into the police station. And I said, oh, "I'm Jonathan. I'm just coming to re- No, I'm I've just come to report my daughter's missing." And they said, "Oh, you're Jonathan." And I said, "Yeah. How do you know that?" And they said, "Oh, your daughter's already passed through here and told us what she's doing and giving us her new number. And she's 18. Back off. Leave her alone." Wow. She's very clever. Very clever, and so then um, then so she's getting, she she's getting guidance. She was getting, sorry,
1: Can you go ahead. No, I was thinking that she was getting guidance
2: on on how to do this from someone, most likely. Yeah. All no, right. No, yeah. Um. So she actually um, she wanted a high in Australia. Have you, you need a high ATAR score to get into university? So she worked out when she was in year seven or eight that if she because she was studying French. And she realized and french was one of the highest if you pass high in french you get a high the highest eta score to get into university so she worked out that um if she took on french and kept it up that she'd be able to get into um university and she convinced us by the last the second last year of her school that um the brethren computers weren't giving her enough um like block, they're blocking her from you know fully studying French because it stopped I think they did French in the first couple of years for study and then they stopped it but she kept on doing it by correspondence afterwards and so by year 11 she's convinced us that they um the computers the brethren computers were blocking her from fully completing you know being able to study so then we just went down to the um Electronic store and brought her an open computer, like a, a non-browser one, just so then she could do it. But that way, and that was her tool to escape. But she was able to access the outside world, and it was it was I think it was a, a girl. Um, it was a out a girl that's left, Brad right, Place wife, I think, that um from outside in Melbourne that um came out. She drove like three hours to pick Jelinda up, and yeah, and then they um. So yeah, I went back to the police station, and then the, the message got to Bruce Hales, and he said um there was three words: "Go get her." Like they, were, he was just said because they, they didn't want her being her virginity being wrecked or whatever. And was literally, literally, yeah. what the word was: "Go get her." So, um, every day for five days, I had to go to the police station under direction, and like, and um, the priest would come around to my house and went right through my emails and just trying to tr- trace down anything that they could find where she would be. And then, um, I I worked out that I could put because she changed her phone number and her. And I worked out I could put in, um, some money into her account, her bank account. And I, like, you know, you can put a message. I'll put, dear Jalinda, please contact that. And then I put some, like, five hundred dollars cash in there. And then the next day I did it again. And, the, and I saw the money had gone out because it was a joint account that her and I had. And then on the second day, um, I went to put the money in and, and it bounced back because it had been closed down. So I rang my bank manager because I was a joint owner they said um that the the account was closed down um i think it was south melbourne and that message got back to um melbourne priests, and there was about five priests walking around the streets of south melbourne looking for her this poor girl was just i can i can understand why um she did the restraining order because she was she would only ever come out on sundays because she was scared um because people would track her down wow (laughs) it's just insane Wow. Um, and yeah, so then on day five, um, cause I used to go to the police station every day. Um, next thing the police turned up at my door with a restraining order against me from her, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't against me. It was just the, um, brethren. It was like the, because um, back then she, um, to, of well, course she was only just 18. We had to have a special permission for her to get a mobile phone back then. It was like back in 2019. You, weren't, you, you had to be over. I think you have to be over 18 to be able to have a mobile phone. But we used um, my son's autism as an excuse for her to get one because we said, oh, we we can't use carers, so can my daughter look after her? So from 16 years old, she had a phone. But the condition was, and she signed it, that I had to, um, she couldn't take it to bed at night time. That was one of the conditions of the UBT in case um, she does anything (laughs) insolicit. Wow. Um, and, and so, like, so just to like, be
1: clear, sorry, I just want to clear something. Up. So, your daughter filed the restraining order while you guys were still in the church. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay.
3: Wow.
1: Sorry, I didn't understand that at first.
2: Sorry. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So um, and like I understand, like going to the police every day, and this poor girl being hunted down, and then um, she. I think she soon worked out that the brethren were trying to hunt her down. So I can I can understand her doing it. But I and but that's this one's um her training that was for six years and like come up to year four now. So wow. hopefully um Mick Mick Dover's, Mick Diver's gonna try and help me to connect with her again. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: well hopefully she well, sees this, I'm... right?
2: Huh? Hopefully she sees this. Mm. yeah um and the thing is I, I admit like I was a controlling dad like we um our Kerry my ex and I we used to help at John Gadson's with Bruce Hales several times and we used to always help at Sydney fellowship meetings with Dave Hales because Kerry my ex um her auntie is Emily Hales who married Dave Hales in Sydney so we're, we were always and it was just this controlling like this almost this role model that you put up to to be this controlling you know dad and you know have real strict rules and stuff so i'm um, I, I, like i mean i, admit, I, I re- really regret my controlling attitude but it was just what i was influenced i was under under bruce if it makes sense
3: yeah
2: yeah you you, you know so.
1: like when you're in an environment like the church right there's this there's a certain aspect that's that's you only know what you know right you only know what you know yeah. in there
3: yeah.
2: I know. Yeah, absolutely. And um and it was just um a, it was an immense pressure from um, I guess um because I was riding in the inner circle, like especially helping at John Gadsden's house with Bruce sales several times, it was um I guess it was um you took on this sort of role model immense pressure to be um controlling and <laughs> if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: That's so this is a little bit honey, off
3: you know? topic. This is a little bit off topic, but we keep hearing um stories about alcohol use at the breaks and and at these special meetings and stuff. Describe what that's like. You know, as a household huh? helper, you're probably the guy serving the alcohol.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I used to um and that was the thing, like, because I'm look, like, I am um, I turned to alcohol to cope with who I was. Um And in 2014, um, because I had thyroid cancer, I had my thyroid removed. And um, I'm balancing out the medication. And I went to my doctor and said, um, can I have some um, help? Because I can't can't go a day without alcohol. So he gave me the medication to get off it. But on day two, the, the, the medication didn't work. I had this shocking withdrawal. And I'll stay, I was at home from work, um, and when Kerry took the kids to school at nine a.m., I went to the bar and had some drink because um, I had to still there's, in having the Sunday lunches. You had to still stock the alcohol and serve it to Britain. Yeah. But um, then I went to the hospital and I went to ICU, and um, my body literally. One time, one day four, I woke up and I couldn't walk or talk. My body was starting to shut down, so um, they put me in ICU and. On day two, the um the doctor told Carrie and the kids that I won't be coming home, I'm dying. Um, but I didn't want to die, I'd stayed awake all night. <laughs> wow. Um, so, um wow. but then on and then when um as I recovered, um, like I went literally from a wheelchair to a walking frame and had speech therapy and all this, as I recovered, um I told my doctor that um at the Sunday Lord, you know, the Lord's Supper, they have port. And he said, no, you can't have it. They have to change it to grape use. So we, um Kerry told that to the leading priest in Hamilton. And he said, no, we can't, it's biblical. We've got to have port. So I had to have literally had to every Sunday morning, I just put the, I just faked it and put the cup up to my mouth. And, and it's like dangling drugs in front of someone who's come off drugs. Yep. I had to put the cup yep. up to my mouth and and then, as it went round about two or three people, I would just pull out my hanky and, and wipe it off my lips, so then I didn't have any craving for it. Wow, it's just insane.
1: Wow, <laughs> the fact and the, that they yeah, the wouldn't old, pop,
2: pop. allow you to do that, like like
1: that, they insisted that you drink alcohol when you're literally in recovery. That is just shows the level of these fake Christians,
2: right? Oh, <clears> totally <throat> fucking fake. Just yeah, just um yeah it's wow. just it's just insane it was literally um because then um when i left the brethren um i got a job at the hospital and, and then i'm i got a position in um helping young kids get off drugs and alcohol and you just realize that um it's just so cruel um you know what well, you know <laughs> making me sit this port every sunday morning and, and they'd watch me like and if i didn't have it say so i pass it through like I did it the first time. I didn't have any. I just passed it on and I got in trouble. I wasn't allowed to do that. So I had to pretend to just put it up to my mouth and
3: real. Like what would happen?
2: Yeah. But I'm um, like,
1: like, like, I don't get that. Like, what happens? Do you do you get a bad point? Like if you don't take a sip or something? Like they're just so I don't know. they're so insane with their beliefs that they actually think that their creator would get angry if you didn't partake in a sip, even though this person is struggling with alcohol addiction and is in recovery, you know, I have no compassion there. Right. Like, like what kind of insanity is, are these beliefs that the Plymouth brethren Christian church have?
3: Wow,
2: Yeah. It's just, um, insane. But then, um, my brother Daniel in August, 2019, my brother Daniel passed away from alcoholism. He, um, he, his um, eyes started going yellow and his hair started falling out and um, he called me around because his doctor had, he sent a message to me and said, oh, can you come around? And I, I could just tell it was quite, he wanted me there pretty quick. I was on a Friday evening and we're having dinner. And um, so I literally just dropped, I said to Carol Daniel's message me. I, I think it seems urgent, I'll go. And I went around there and he had just had a word back from his doctor that um, his liver was failing because of alcoholism and he said um i want your help i want your help because you've got through it so um, we sat down the back step and he like cried we talked literally talked for several hours but then um the following week the doctor did more tests and he found that um one of the fine lines of one of his antidepressants were um it says can possibly have liver damage but it's like any fine print of any medication yeah. so um from that he thought it was because of um the medication so he went back on the drink and literally everything yeah, two months he passed away and that was um august 2019 i've got a photo of him with him i mean he was um he was my best wow. friend like he was he was um he was like eighty months older than me um he never knew i don't think i was gay but like he was just he because like, we wanted to leave earlier um the church but and he was the one that kept me kept us in in and uh, we we had good old heart hearts had lots of talk during the fire and you'll see it on my Facebook page I've got a poem I did about him but yeah um so that was another three pretty... and so that and that was um so that was August 2019 and every day um I would go around and help his ex-wife sorry sorry his wife with their son who's in a wheelchair and, uh, and it was in that time I, I really regret because um I should have been probably putting time into my family and here's my daughter underway with planning leaving home and so she left in November 19 um and then yeah we decided on day five that because we had this really bad church meeting um on it was on the Sunday after she left home they um because we we carry, um my daughter and I used to go to the gym often. And we had a key to the back door. The boss gave us a key so we could get in there. Because <laughs> we weren't allowed to go to gyms. We'd park our car in the back and hide it. And um and then of we course, and we used to also let her the brethren
1: hate gyms.
2: <laughs> yeah, and we used to let her wear makeup and this was, and so on the Sunday reading that was just a dreadful reading that this guy was taking the reading, just put it back on us that you know, we let the world in and that's where you lose your, your child and all this stuff. So that's when um Kerry and I and my son, we just literally zipped out of our Bibles and walked out. Never went back. Wow. Wow. Wow.
1: Incredible.
3: That
2: that took a lot, man.
1: That must have taken incredible strength. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have one thing um... I want to ask you about is the specimen jar prank. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so, um, one of the worst bullies, um, to my son Jake, um, it was his dad that was the trustee, that the one that told the teacher that he, um, you know, if you say anything against my son again, I'll suck you. I, because I had thor, I had thyroid cancer. I've got to every six months have, um, do bloods and specimen jars just to make sure the cancer's not back. And, um, I, I faked that, um, I dropped my jar and it was now no longer um like because that should be you know clean no, no contamination I went back and got a spare jar <laughs> and i um filled it up with this yellow food dye and wrote right on the jar um Terry Arca all the guy's name like that like this trustee and I said to be taken midstream <laughs> and put this like scribble the doctor signature and then that Warrnambool um main you know the you know the you know the big halls they used to have the men's toilets on the side of the foyer um and like there's four basins lined up and like and because he was so religious he was like always there half an hour early so we got there about 15 minutes early and when I walked into the hall um there was no one in the toilet so I was able to just sit this jar on the basin <laughs> <laughs> and then I got out again <laughs> and um, I went back oh in my god and stood, in a cubi- stood in a cubicle next door to the basins and I just like over ten, I was, I just sat like that, people would have know it. I was just still there and was just listening to people come through just
1: <laughs> laughing,
2: saying, Oh, Harry's left his here. <laughs> and as everyone coming up in the church, like, this ripple went around the hall. Like you could see people with, like laughing at each other. And then after the meeting, after the church, this little kid took the jar up to him. He said, Oh, here's your jar <laughs> <laughs> And he hadn't, it was when he was talking to the priest. Yeah. Oh, I'm so best. I just love doing pranks on those people. <laughs> that is amazing.
1: Oh, that is funny. Oh, oh what man. a great prank. Oh,
3: that's awesome.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: The moral of that story is don't ever try and get on the wrong side of John I
2: <laughs> no, I wouldn't do it to you. Um, my last Sunday lunch, um, we had, um, you know, you know, Lindy Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. Her, um, auntie married Ben Morton in, uh, uh, he's now gone back to Adelaide, but he was in portable. And, um, cause there was so much pressure to have good quality scotch and cognac and stuff. And, um, I went to the Aldi store and just got the cheap brandy and I kept the good cognac bottle. And I sort of filled it up with the LD brandy. <laughs> and um, he would, because uh, I would ask, i oh, what you like to drink? And I'd just say, I'll have cognac on ice. Because, so, you know, just his presumed, you know, you got the money, then just do it. But I filled it up with this. <laughs> and um, he said, oh, Jonathan, you know, we always have the best at your place. And he would have had the most terrible, thumping headache. Eh? <laughs> he had about three glasses of this Aldi brandy. <laughs> oh, oh, that's I hilarious. Just- <laughs> i'm just done like, I, um, I was finished <laughs> um i'm just trying to think what else i have to talk about
1: yeah i got i got some notes here um how you helped john gadsden and david hales yeah you spoke about that um tell us about uh sending you sent you sent a cookbook to your wife your ex-wife for her
2: birthday yeah well i, I didn't her birthday may and I, I have just haven't heard anything back from her it's just um I've done a couple of emails to see whether she's got it, and because um, see, they're both her and my son have blocked me on the phone. Um, so I didn't email to her, and just and because like I don't think she'd be able to block the email. I don't know, but i you know, I just haven't heard anything back, I, yeah, it's just really hurtful. It is, you know what I mean? Yeah.
3: Talk about what kind of I'm, pressure. I, you,
2: think,
3: you think what kind of pressure I, would they have put on her to turn her against you?
2: Yeah, well, that thing is um, like they give her money, like they pay, like she, she'll be looked after forever now, if she stays in. um, And like, even when we left um, in settling the house, for example, I gave her all the money because I felt it wasn't her fault that I was gay, like she didn't know. And I felt, and I gave her everything, so, you know, so she's walked away with the whole investment of the house. And so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just, um, it's really, just really hurtful, but I've just got to keep going on top, keep going.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You, you know, all you can do is hope that they saw maybe enough of the world that it'll just keep a little bit of something in their mind that one day, you know, they'll realize that maybe this isn't the funnest place because it should be right. Let's not forget that it should be the funnest, happiest, most loving place in the whole planet earth. But it's Christian
2: not. nah, not at all. Christian community church. Yeah. Far it's just it. full of
1: it's bullies. Like listen, the bullying and bullying and bullying that goes on, right? The hatred towards the LGBTQ. It's just disgusting.
2: It really is absolutely insane. Um I remember um there was one one of the when there was Two, two guys in Ballarat that once stuffed up together and there was this thing and they had this mark against them like there was just this like stain and they've both since got married to girls in there and had kids and they're still in I think but um, there's just always this mark against them because they were gay it's just yeah the bullying is just <laughs> it's just insane <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: Where do you think the bullying culture starts? Where does it come from?
2: I reckon it's from their from their Bible and from the um Bruce, maybe. Yeah. I don't know.
3: I've often thought it goes back to the foundation and the way the whole system is set up. That that men mm. are, you know, to worship one man. I mean they're worshipping a man they're not worshipping the Lord. Um and, no, and, and that power has has gone out and it's you've got one man with so much power he's just turned into a big bully and it turns the whole system into a bunch of bullies. Um and the yeah. little kids see what's going on inside the meeting and they're just modeling the same behavior that they see inside the meeting.
2: Absolutely. Minds up to at- what
3: you're thinking.
2: It all starts at the kitchen table. With the talking yeah because there was a bullying um graham sealy from he was i'm not sure if he's still in aubrey or not he um went around australia doing a bullying seminar
3: yeah
2: and um it was it started because of um we kicked up a real stink about my son jake and the way he was bullied Like we got message to bruce about it and um it was um so graham sealy did a, a bullying seminar went, went around australia um and he um and it, and it he that was his message it all starts at the kitchen table
3: yeah
2: like the the parents do it talk about it and do stuff so yeah and just because um my son has autism and was just slightly different he was just like this target it was just yeah. just insane and the only way they could rectify it was um him like he would sit he would sit separately at class time and change in the disabled 12. it was the only way that would Save him from, and one time, um, he was there was like outdoor play area that was covered over. One time, he was um locked, they the kids locked him out there like when they'd finished recess playtime. And um, because he couldn't get in, he smashed the glass to get into the classroom because no one was he waited about 15 minutes. And um, then he got suspended for two days. Oh,
3: unreal!
2: Oh, crying out loud,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: And like, I um, I kicked up, I said, It's a I, 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 like I understand Jake breaking the glass, but this is it's not his fault. No. Like the kids, what about targeting, spending the kids that bullied him? Yeah, you know, you know I, I've just, been uh, thinking
1: about what you just said, Carm, about the the bullying. Like, where does it come from? I think if you try and you know maybe look at it from overhead view, you'll see that it comes from thinking that you. Are better than another person, right? Thinking that everything in the universe was created and the creator also decided that I'm going to be this super special thing, right? It's like being like the special zebra or something. For some reason, you were chosen and they're so special that they can just look down on other people. If you're not as high up as me in the church, or God forbid, you're an outsider, you're scum, right? And it even It even pertains to their view of the environment. They don't really give a shit about Earth because it's part of the world and it's all going to burn, apparently, in some hellfire, which, I mean, it will, but in a couple billion years by the sun. Um, But this is... So that's where I think the bullying comes from, is from thinking that they are better, thinking that they are chosen, and that they are... So they can just do what they want and pick on others because they're just not as holy as them
2: that really you, you, we're brought up to be superior to the outside world
3: yeah yeah
2: aren't we and i, I remember um, when we first moved to hamilton um, on sunday mornings to go and fill up with fuel for to go to interchange and i remember the lady at the petrol station fuel station gas station saying um she couldn't believe it because i came in in a white shirt and my navy trousers the brethren sunday uniform <laughs> and um you said, I, I can't believe you're a brethren. You're, you're, you're different. You're friendly. What's what's the go with you? The others are everyone, everyone else is so um up themselves and they don't they don't even talk. What what's the hap- what's happening? Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 It, yeah. They call themselves yeah, like a main t- mainstream Christian church, but it's so anti-Christian, the behavior, you know.
2: Oh, ex- that oh, we extreme. are special. Yes.
3: We are chosen. and um, they refer to themselves as. As the chosen ones, they have a special life. Well, I hate yeah. to tell them there is 40,000 registered religions. And of that 40,000, probably all 40,000 preach to their members that they are the chosen one. So being part of the brethren, you have a one in 40,000% chance of being the chosen ones. You know, it's it's so silly. It really is.
2: Yeah. And i'm sorry just comes to mind um so when when we, we were we eventually had were confined in march 2020 and it was just when COVID kicked in and the government were doing good payments to um help out so kerry and i both got went to the government and got payments um and they put a house on the line um on hold and stuff but then um I, I applied for a job just as a cleaner at the um hospital like i, I just needed something i couldn't i wasn't going to sit around home because um, we've got no qualifications and no university so yeah um and then um and it was it was, it was within about four weeks um the ceo of the hospital i'm gonna have i'm gonna i'm gonna have a bit of a boast here <laughs> the ceo <laughs> of the hospital um said um um you've got two good people skills you shouldn't be because i was also used to hand out um hand out food to the patients as well and i used to um, often help the old ladies with their salt and pepper and, you know, help them out instead of just dumping the tray and running. Um, and then they said, you've got good good people skills. Can you go on the switchboard? So I did that and that was a really good job. And then when I was on the switchboard, um, well, then my day two was switchboard that the brethren found out where I was because one of the brethren had come in for surgery. And then John Young, one of the priests rang up. Well, I was on my tr- second day of training. And tried hassling me, like saying, come back to the church. And, and like in the end, um, I handed the phone phone over to the um my trainer and she said, just fucking leave him alone. <laughs> she just went absolute <laughs> out. <A-powering. laughs> wow. Um anyway, that was that was a really good, it was a good, really good experience. And then um from then um the um the 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 um theater crew, because I used to work like night shifts and stuff, the theater crew um asked if I could come up and be a theatre technician like work in theatre with with you know operating theatre yeah. so I, and I did that and they all, yeah and I said well I've got no training and they said I oh, will do it on the spot we'll do training on site for you and um I did that and that was amazing so like every surgery and I actually loved it it was a good fun
1: <laughs> wow
2: every time a baby was born I would shed a tear it was pretty that was a pretty freaky time when the baby comes out and cries like <laughs> Oh <laughs> to here, but other than that, it was just like I loved um it was just great um saving people's lives and helping them out like all oh, right so it was my job was to wheel the passenger the um patient in and like keep him calm and help him put onto the bed and set up the theater and stuff that was it yeah, so it was a pretty good experience so that's what I did before um I got the job at Qantas, and then i like i'm now, I'm now living in Melbourne, so
3: wow. I'm starting to Good think time. you're jack of all trades, master I, of them all. I model. was
1: thinking that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good for
2: you. What what cool experiences, you know? 100%. And, and the thing is, um, if we stayed in, for example, my son, Jake, he would have just been given a job just being, you know, a floor sweeper because he's got autism, but, you know, packing boxes and there's so much potential in these kids that, leave um leave school year 12 and can't do anything with it Like they've just you know been handed a job and there's only limited options will they can do yeah it's just insane I
1: think that business industry like the business industry that the brethren are you know the different industries that they're involved in they their highest dreams some of these young people you know is just having a bigger one of those right they never dream really outside of their their normal um
2: no, no but really.
1: hopefully with you know with internet hopefully that slowly changes but now they control the internet right so
2: yeah with um, the streamline 3
1: yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so tell us um tell us more about you you know you're out um and you are? Are you dating now? You have a boyfriend now? Yeah, I do. Okay, tell us how that happened.
2: Um. Oh, through one of the apps. <laughs> yeah, that's how I met my girlfriend. As <laughs> you do. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I just um. So I, yeah, I just um. Met up. I was actually um. We went to the Mardi Gras in Sydney last year, not this year, the one before. Um. I, would, I wouldn't. go again because it's pretty. Um, Mardi Gras is full of drugs and alcohol. It's a lot of unhappy people there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So that's how um we we went there together, and from there um. But then um we sort of went off. With, we we're just friends, and but now it's um we're together now, so that's good. But it, the thing is, but, um, don't um don't tell me off. I'm a, I'm a cougar. I'm 46, and he's 22. <laughs> <laughs> you are the cougar (laughs) i'm a cougar yes
1: good for you good for you so if you can leave a a message
3: message, if you can leave a message for people that feel like they're stuck inside there um what would you tell them about how to get out would you advise them to get out
2: oh absolutely um the, the freedom i've had now and just to be able to be myself and live my truth and not fake and 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 that's the thing um, that hit me um i once had that gave me this feeling all of a sudden i realized that um all i've done is just stop being fake i've brought all this persecution on me because i just they don't don't want me to still keep faking All all i've just done is just being myself and um so that's what i would say to anyone just like make the plunge and I would I would I'd easy help anyone to get out. Wow. And I'm sure there's you know that um I think Todd Colter spoke the other day about that Anthony John who's going back and that Bruce Hales gave him 10 grand cash. Um he's he once told me about yeah he's he's seen several brethren guys going to um saunas and stuff. You know, guys riding the Hales is riding the inner circle literally. Really? Um, so they're right. Yeah, here. there's definitely people. There's definitely more in there that are stuck. Wow. Gay men trapped inside and the I, Plymouth I, Brethren. Say, you mean? Yeah. That are okay. gay, and I'm. I would just. I would. The freedom is just insane. Like, I can just be me. <laughs> like I, I don't. I don't go around. Um, I love be cat. Carmen. <laughs> um, I don't go around Yeah. What's her name? Pete. Pete.
3: Oh, Pete
2: yeah. I don't go just around um, I'm, like, I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm not a, um I don't go around pushing myself on like I'm not a um, you know, real I hate the um so gay stuff <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. I'm like I'm not I'm just I'm just normal. Like I don't I don't even push Pete. Some, most people don't even pick up where I am gay. I remember um when I was going through um, flight school, um, when I was doing my training, um, at the second last day, because we had a really good group of people that the trainers thought before our graduation that we were um, a good group. So they brought a cake and it was one of those um, colored rainbow cakes that was covered in white icing. And they went to cut it open. And I said, oh, that's that's just for faggots. Like, yuck, I'm not touching that. <laughs> that's for puffers."
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and um, these girls said, Oh sorry, John. I thought we, we thought you were gay all along. You must be. <laughs> oh no, that's pretty funny. I don't force it on anyone. I'm just I'm just me.
3: Yeah.
1: And and for and for the you know, brethren members in there listening that might be gay. Um, there is no price you can put on freedom. I, I guarantee you, John will agree with me on that. There's no amount of money you can put on being able to make choices that you want to make without thinking that they're a sin or that they're bad or being worried about somebody finding out. You don't have to be worried yes, about that when you're
2: free, right? Everyone can find yeah. out and it's fine. Yeah. You don't have to look at your shoulder. And that, and that was a, and that's why I used alcohol to cope. Like I just couldn't live this double life, and especially with the um, when the um, gay marriage law came out in um, Australia, I remember um, it was just like it was that was in like when I was started really drinking alcohol because like the outside world was accepting this culture, and like I I couldn't do anything about it. I had to keep going, you know, and um that's why i started yeah, it had really turned into alcohol but i remember um, my daughter um because one of the teachers that um because as you know the teachers are not brethren or that they, they weren't um yeah. she um something one of the kids were asked her dog oh, how do what do you think about the same sex marriage law and um and she said yeah well i do because i've got neighbors that are same sex and I, they're really lovely people and they're really kind so um and the kids really slammed her. So my daughter stood up and she she said, Dad, I used your middle finger pointing. <laughs> she said, I just point, yelled at them and said, Look, what right have you got to say that to this teacher? Like, it's none of your business. And she really stood out. So we were um, quite outspoken people. So we probably brought on a lot of the bullying ourselves. <laughs> 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 so,
3: yeah. Wow. Wow. So you you mentioned yeah. a minute ago, Anthony Charles, what was his name? Anthony? John. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's out and he's gay, right?
2: Yeah. He's watching. So for our I listeners, in get
3: into the weeds of that story. Huh? Like Bruce has paid him money just to come back, right?
2: Had him to go to a, like a five star motel in Noosa, like up it's up Western. Um, no, Yeah, up to the top of New South Wales, it's a real resort. And then also dropped around with him and Dean, they dropped around $10,000 cash in an envelope to his house. Wow. Just
3: to bribe him, that's to come it. back. 10 grand yep. is, is, like, to, that's
1: such a small amount to, like, buy your life. I'm sorry, but that's a really small amount to, like, sell your, your beliefs for. I was hoping it would be, like, maybe
2: a million, five million 10 million that's the thing for me money um money doesn't it's, money's got nothing to do with the freedom that i have experienced no. now yeah you can't I, put um, a price on it I've, i am um, like pay at quant- Qantas. Qantas, the, the pay is shit like it's really bad it's nothing at all and you work really long hours but um, i think it's gonna be better with Air New zealand but um it's just yeah it's just shit pay but it doesn't matter i don't i'm just happy and free and i'm living in a share house with other Qantas crew and i'm um, and it's only 250 australian dollars a week so it's really cheap so i'm happy i'm getting through it i'm just enjoying life wow yeah
3: that
2: is life that's living i like that yeah i know and it's
1: nothing yeah money's money's nothing no it isn't
2: it isn't experiences people that's life it's great when you have it like um I in our family business just it was about a month or two before we left i just got a brand new um q5 audi for example like we um, i was living we were living the high life wow um yeah but it doesn't i don't even care now it doesn't matter nothing to do with it but money is nothing i've realized it's money's just doesn't buy your freedom
3: (laughs) well you can't take it with you You know, (laughs) some of these people are spending their entire life, their entire focus, giving up everything to earn a dollar. They can't take it with them. I hate to tell you, you cannot take that with you.
2: (laughs) And I live every day like it's my last.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
2: I love that philosophy. That's awesome. Yes. Big thumbs up to that yeah i literally do like i just um if i pass away tomorrow well at least i've um, had a good day today <laughs> yeah wow see that's the best way to live i love that i absolutely yeah. love and that's that. why I, that's why i wanted to um, get on with this podcast fast because i thought i might as well get it on just get it done before i'm just what if tomorrow i die yeah
3: <laughs> yeah
2: you never know i hope not <laughs> um <laughs> So uh, so before you yeah. close,
3: if you could give your daughter one message, what would your message to her be?
2: I'm really, really, really sorry for the, my harsh dad treatment and I would do anything that she wanted to make up for it. Yeah.
1: Because, um, yeah,
2: there's no two ways about it. I was uh, controlling, under the Hales influence, controlling dad. And, and that's oh, what I'd I say. Like, um...
3: Yeah, but then I bet Sorry. the next part of that statement would be stay where you are. Um I'll meet you there. We'll be happy.
2: Yeah, and I would do it like I would um I would do anything for her. Like if she wanted yeah, to meet up or do anything, I just would and I just um I just can't wait to hug her and cry with her. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cause yeah, I, I just feel terrible. Like the, um, I was reflecting um, on some of the, um, experiences that John Gadsden with Bruce Hales. Remember one time, you remember Terry Markham? Yeah. Terry and Yeah. Yep. He once um, they, they came for one of the meals. Cause I think, uh, I don't think he gave an address because it was like, they had a massive outdoor table and often sometimes have up to 50 people to stay. Um, and I remember him, um, Bruce telling Terry and got Aud- Audrey was in like a pale green, like a nearly almost white dress. And it was quite tight because you're quite petite, wasn't she?
3: Yeah.
2: Um, And um, he stood her up and said, and told her to stand up. And he, he told Terry, who do you think you are making your wife wear a white dress? Like that's just disgusting. And he really humiliated her. It was just, just awful, just awful. You've got no idea. And then, and same with, and John Gazton was just like a, he was just a fucking prick. I remember one time him telling me, um when he was going out, like taking Bruce to the three-day meeting, because we say, because you help, the helpers stay home. They only go on Sunday. Um, and I remember him walking past the um, dining room and said, oh, Jonathan, light bulb, because he was like real strict. He's like a Hitler. He said, Jonathan, light bulb, because it was a light bulb that had gone out above the dining room table. And I was so pissed off with him. And I said, Well, I'm going to have to stand up a new dining room table to change it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so, they, they were so flash, like they were so rich and wealthy in that. And we were just downstairs in the basement on these stretcher beds and we were just servants. And I just, I just was fucking over it. <laughs> oh. I said, Well, we'll have to stand up in the dining room table. I'm going to mark it. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
3: Wow. Wow.
2: They're so stuck up. Yeah. Oh, incredibly stuck up. Incredibly, yeah. But um, anyway. I just would um it just be an absolute joy if I could um reconnect with my daughter. But I I might I'll I think I'll have to wait probably till the Australian order's finished. Um and I think by then like she'll be she's twenty-one now, so she'll be twenty-three. And by then, um the brain's starting to mature more, isn't it? Like twenty-three, twenty-four,
3: twenty-five. Yeah.
2: And I'm, and I'm, sure, I'm, law, I'm what, sure, is
3: it right? She's going through law school,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's at Melbourne Uni, yeah. Um, but and she has to do with um, I've connected with a guy from Perth who's just left literally a couple of weeks ago. He was just um, and he has to do with a guy called Amos McEwan, and um, she has to do with him, my daughter does, and because she's changed her name, she changed her name, first name and last name to oh, um, because. Wow. The thing is, I can understand if she was, because she told um, Kerry once, one phone call she had with her, that um, if she she's at a cafe and someone said, oh, coffee for Jalinda, there's not many, J- her name is Jalinda, there's not many Jalindas in the world. And if there's any other brethren there, they would soon pick up a turn. That's why she changed the name to really get out, you know, um, so she could get on with her life. And then, and I, I totally understand it. I'm, I totally it re- that's my thing i'll take the regret that my harsh treatment um hopefully she'll understand one day that i didn't know any different <laughs> yeah especially being under the hails regime and like we were, we were we were right in the inner circle and there's so much pressure put on you to match re-comply
1: <laughs> no kidding
3: wow
2: well thank you so much
1: John for for sharing this all with us today for coming on here um it's an incredible story I really do hope your daughter hears this um,
2: because, you know, I think it'll be an amazing reunion one day. I really do.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for all the time you guys put into this podcast. Oh, it's our thank pleasure. You,
3: Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
2: no, no, but you, you guys put um, hours into it and it just, yeah, it's just insane. I can't believe it.
0: If you are in a high demand religious group and need help, please go to oliveleaf.network. To share your story or be a guest on the show, email info.getalife at proton.me. Please remember to like this video. Subscribe to get a life and comment.